I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. You are my podcast, my only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. Oh my God. It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. (laughs) Are you interested? I know you are because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone Boy and Phoenix. I don't know Phone Boy. Those two are those two are pretty interesting to listen to. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You just can't trust them. Fuck you two! You're talking peak no agenda right there, everybody. That's right. You just can't trust us to be on time or anything else. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, welcome to the Lotus Effect. Hey, what's a, aren't you reading the script? This is your... The- You're the one who jumped in like Captain Save-a-Bitch? <laughs> the fuck? Actually, phone boy. All right, well then... And, well, if in case you couldn't tell, you are experiencing the Lotus Effect, and this is episode 66, and it's the show that's made up with the content that doesn't matter, and uh, as usual, I'm Phoenix. Let me start this off by clearly stating... That I'm better than everyone. Well, apparently the new name for me is uh, Captain Save a Bitch, but uh, <laughs> which, but I, but uh, but you know everybody else, I guess, knows, knows me as Phone Boy. So we finally <laughs> met the man whose shit doesn't stink. Yeah, I, I still haven't figured out sixty-six episodes into this why the fuck I'm doing this shit with you. Because <laughs> you have a great goddamn time. That's why. That's the damned truth. I'm telling you what, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to fucking kill you because you fucked with the roadcaster. Remember, it rebooted because. Mm, So Phoenix went to hit her clip, and guess what happened? Yeah, well. Womp womp. It went to shit. Thank you very much. They had a great goddamn time. Yeah, Yeah. we're having a great goddamn time. And, you know, because this is the Lotus Effect, things are, of course, going tits up real quick. Of course. But we do always have a clip to introduce the stuff we're going to be putting in your ear holes, and today's no exception of that. On the southern plains, clouds of dust darkened the skies for weeks in a phenomenon that came to be known as the Dust Bowl. USDA worked with growers to minimize soil erosion, and the conservation programs that conquered the Dust Bowl have played a key role in American agriculture ever since. And of course, I would, I would, us, I would argue that probably the things that the USDA did before all of that probably caused the Dust Bowl. But that, but that's a that's a different. That's discussion. a that's a whole different show. But you know, we had a great show last week with Hempress Elmili, and thank you again for joining us. And of course, you know, we were talking about SNAP, the food stamp program, whatever you want to call it, and. Yeah, you really can't dig into that subject without also digging into the USDA, which is who sets the food policies for the U.S. And it started looking like a cabal. And a cabal that, unfortunately, isn't about your health. So today we're going to be reusing some of the clips that we've played previously, because let's face it... We've both gotten extremely busy this last week, but we believe that we can paint a pretty compelling picture that shows y'all that there's many forces conspiring to make the following jingle from No Agenda reality. You slaves can get used to- 
with a mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac and cheese, macaroni and cheese, cheddar melted together. Mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac and cheese. Yeah, I forgot. I think I edited the the. the the, uh, the 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 at the end of it that originally was supposed to be there, but um, yeah, so yeah, they really want us eating mac and cheese because then they can control the food system and and there's weaker humans and that are easier to control and all that. Okay, so um, remember that this is a value for value podcast. Although I don't know why people find this valuable. Maybe it's entertaining in some way. Uh, I've, I've been told there's there's rumors that people are entertained. Yeah, that. well, um, yeah. Um, you know, I I, lo- I love. Ne- I don't know why. Yeah. Um. So this week, how and so if you so you can go to lotuseffect dot show and there's a, there's a there's a uh, there's a yellow button that says we like money. Um. If you if you want to send us fiat fun coupons. So uh, if you don't like money, we'll take it off your hands. We truly w- yeah. we will take one for the team. Yeah. Uh, in terms of in terms of satoshis, yeah. Um. You know, if you don't like those, uh, send send us yours. We, we we if you you have to do it through a nude podcast app, which means take off all your clothes and go to nude podcast podcastapps.com and uh, get yourself a podcast app that can stream you some some some, some satoshis there you go um see i'm not the only one who can't talk today yeah well you let's yeah i think we're not i think we've both uh you know pre-gamed a little bit i'll just, just it has nothing that. to do with that yeah. <clears throat> okay. i just can't talk usually yeah so this is um so this is so we we actually got a lot of uh, boostograms during our last live show, um, which was or, not nearly as many as we usually get. But then again, yeah. in fairness, my phone was connected to the roadcaster because that's how we were doing the interview with Emily, and that prevented me sadly from being able to splash the walls with satoshis because I was downstairs making a phenomenal dinner for you. Yes, you were, but. Uh, but you did. But uh, you did also. Um, you know, you also did kind of boost us. The, you know, this is this. Is, oh, you the executive uh, producer. Yeah, apparently she's the executive producer. I didn't mean that was a misfire. But, uh, <laughs> but apparently, apparently, I this are, is a new live son of a bitch. And go right. Niners. Uh, you boosted ten thousand sats right before the show. Uh, yes, I did. You also boosted uh, during Studio Thirty Three, uh, driving a big old truck with thirty three thirty three sats. And then uh, I, I, I have to, I have to because because this boost was so awesome um you know this this is you know what we got here uh yeah net or, yeah actually like, we have a live boostogram here from rev cyber trucker 10,000 sets saying giggity <laughs> giggity yeah we, we are hoping for the cavalcade of stupidity today if goodyear got their asses off of their asses and uh got him loaded or unloaded or whatever they had to do there getting him in a dock by a certain time so everybody cross your nut hairs and hope that goodyear did yeah, their job yeah yeah. Meanwhile, I was going to say that I, I want to repeat the uh, the boostogram from uh, from NetNed on the last show for eighty eight eighty eight sat saying, uh, uh, except he wrote it at reverse. Uh, Sammy Hagar sucks. He did, and I want you to try to pronounce that for the punishment of having skusragaimas. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just for the fact of being so happy about that, your initial reaction when you were like, oh my God, like you were five minutes about how great that fucking boost was. You know, I'm, 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 I'm just saying. Fuck you! <laughs> yeah, well. And you too, Fuck you too. <laughs> Oh boy. All right, so um, so if you want to be part of this Boostergram party, uh, you, yeah, we, we talked about that. Uh, we also take your fiat fund coupons. Uh, if you want to send something, you want to send something the old fashioned way with a check, we can uh, we can accommodate you there too. Um, so um, 
Now, meanwhile, um, we, we also uh, want to encourage you to call and call in and refire us uh, what, you, what you think about uh, our topic for the week, which is actually which. Um, yeah, the, much like the, the advertisement for the show and a lot of things for the, it's like a lot of last minute. It was just kind of like, what, what, OK, what's your favorite food? But if, but uh, this is what we what we picked up. So uh, in that case, you, you call two, five, three, two, three, seven, three, three, two, one. And uh, and you tell us about it. We don't want your shit. Oh. Still said <laughs> yes, but, uh, wow. I'm firing the wrong clip. I'm apparently. Uh, yeah, that's the wrong clip. Yes, I, you know, you fucked up. No, I meant this one. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Yeah. That's right. Ernestine is not standing by. <clears throat> the phone boy's fumble fingers are. And uh, so me, Google bitch. Transcript. And it's going to mingle your yeah. voice transcription. So uh, you might end up as a show title. Yeah, exactly. You, you might have to have a show title, and we do. We, we have at least one voicemail, which is good. Um, we will uh, we'll play that a little bit later. Um, and uh, yeah, this is uh, so now. You know, when we got it, we were so Emily. When when so Emily would. Emily, when we talked with her, she actually sent a bunch of stuff. I mean, all the clips that we played. Oh yeah, on the show. she clip dumped all yeah, she, over us, and yeah. we thank her for that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and it's funny because there's some some of the clips I pulled for the for the for for the last show, and you'll hear them here. Um, we we you know we started we started digging into you know we were talking about SNAP and food stamps, and you start digging back into the USDA, and you kind of start looking at everything. You, you, you don't get too far down before you realize, uh, yeah, they're trying to kill us. Um, so that's it. Just it, pretty at least, apparent. It, at least it seems that way for me now. Um, so if you if you're talking about the origin of food stamps and such, it, it traces its roots back to the Farm Bill in 1933. Now we actually read and transcribed. You know, you okay? Here, I need to take I need to take a rant for a moment on technology. OCR has been around for 30 years. You think that you would be 100 percent perfect by now? Oh my god! Yeah. Anyway, so it, it's still it's OCR is still abjectly terrible. I don't know. If, you know, I, I'm anyway. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm, and for all. All those who aren't a dude or dude ain't named Ben or Bernadette, what the fuck are you talking about? The thing that turns the scan text into letters. On the I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. So, because I, mean, I, I was, because I was copying and pa- it was like it was doing OCR or something, op- optical character recognition on a, gra- on a on a scanned page, right? Because obviously in 1933, all the you know all the bills and shit weren't on fucking computers. They were they, they may have been typed if you were lucky, but. I know, but uh, so when I was trying to OCR this, it, it garbled the not the crap out of it. I don't know, um, but uh, when you when you start digging into this bill, it's 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 actually quite nefarious. And 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 if you read the text of the Farm Bill, it pretty much tells you what the purpose is in black and white. And, and you know you don't you don't need to be a constitutional lawyer. You know, I wish I had that clip handy to uh, to, to, to determine that. It says so. It, so it, and this is at the very beginning of the of the bill. It says that it is hereby declared to be the policy of the Congress. Uh, number one, to establish and maintain such balance between the production and consumption of agricultural commodities and such marketing conditions, therefore, as will reestablish prices to farmers at a level that will give agricultural commodities a purchasing power with respect to articles that farmers buy equivalent to the purchasing power of agricultural um commodities in the base period. The base period shall be, for all agricultural co- commodities except tobacco, shall be the pre-war period, August 1909 to July 1914. In the case of tobacco, the base period shall be the post-war period, August 1919 to July 1929. Uh, number two, to approach such equity of, equality of purchasing power by gradual correction of the present inequalities therein at, at as a rapid a rate as deemed feasible in view of the current consumptive demand in domestic and foreign markets. Uh, 
to protect consumers' interests by readjusting farm production at such levels as will not increase the percentage of the consumer's retail expenditures for agricultural commodities or products derived therefrom, which is returned to the farmer, above the percentage of which was returned to the farmer in the pre-war period, August 09 to July 1914. So, okay, basically, y'all, this this is price controls. I don't know if, I don't know if y'all caught that. Um, I mean, that's that's the way I sort of, uh, when I looked at that, it's, uh, yeah, they're basically, uh, you know, they're controlling prices on both ends, the, you know, the price the consumer pays and the price and, and it's and, double dipping like a son of a bitch yeah so uh yeah you just kind of read that it basically say yeah we're going to control the market we're going to control the food market and, and and it and it gets worse you know yeah, so we, we dig a little deeper and we can see the details yeah, that's right. so in order to effectuate the declared policy the stack the secretary of agriculture shall have the power to provide for reduction in the acreage or reduction in the production for market or both of any basic agricultural commodity through agreements with producers or by other voluntary methods and to provide for rental or benefit payments in connection therewith or upon that part of the production of any basic agricultural commodity required for domestic consumption in such amounts as the secretary deems fair and reasonable to be paid out of any monies available for such payments. Under the regulations of the Secretary of Agriculture require adequate facilities for the storage of any non-perishable agricultural commodity on the farm, inspection and measurement of any such commodity so stored, and the locking and sealing thereof, and such other regulations as may be prescribed by the Secretary of Agriculture for the production of such commodities and for the market thereof. A reasonable percentage of any benefit payment may be advanced on any such commodity so stored. In any such case, such deduction may be made from the amount of the benefit payment as the Secretary of Agriculture determines will reasonably compensate for the cost of inspection and sealing, but no deduction may be made for interest. Yeah, and and it's yeah. I guess I'll continue here to enter into marketing agreements with processors, associations of producers, and others engaged in the handling in the current of interstate or or foreign commerce of any agricultural or any agricultural commodity or products thereof. After due notice and opportunity for hearing to interested parties, the making of such agreements shall not be in violation of the antitrust laws of the United States, and any such agreement shall be deemed to be lawful, provided that no such agreement shall remain in force after the termination of this act. For the purposes of carrying out any such agreement, the parties thereto shall be eligible for loans from the Reconstruction Finance Corporation under Section 5 of the the Reconstruction Finance Corporation Act. Such loans shall not be in excessive amounts as may be authorized by the agreement. So, basically, the government's monopolized... Not only that, monopolizing stuff, and yeah, they're you know they just they just wrote themselves out of the law, you know. That's yeah, you know that that old chestnut. And then it further states that to issue licenses permitting processors, associations of producers, and others to engage in the handling in the current of interstate or foreign commerce of any agricultural commodity or product thereof. Such licenses shall be subject to such terms and conditions, not in conflict with existing acts of Congress or regulations pursuant thereto, and may be necessary to eliminate unfair practices or charges that prevent or tend to prevent the effectuation of the declared policy and the restoration of normal economic conditions in the marketing of such commodities or products and the financing thereof. 
Now, the Secretary of Agriculture may suspend or revoke any such license after due notice and opportunity for hearing for violations of the terms or conditions thereof. Any order of the Secretary suspending or revoking any such licenses shall be final if in accordance with law. Any such person engaging in such handling without a license as required by the Secretary under this section shall be subject to a fine of not more than $1,000 for each day during which the violation continues. Yeah, no, it's, just, it's just, okay, yeah, so, we're, you know, again, they're controlling who gets to produce food. Now, this is, a, now keep in mind, because this is at the federal level, this only, this is, a, you know, interstate commerce, which, which you know, is, but, but yeah, they basically, they basically get to, they basically get to say who gets to play in the market, right? Which, you know, when we know how that works. Um, now to require, I'll, I'll take an, you know, I'll take another which, um, you know, another another one here uh, that yeah, to require any license under this section to furnish such reports as to quantities of agricultural commodities or products thereof bought and sold and the prices thereof and and as to trade practices and charges and to keep such systems of accounts as may be necessary for the purpose of part two of this title. And I need to probably fix the I need to fix the next. But basically, anybody that produces food's got to tell them about it. It's kind of the way I the way I uh, interpret that. And I don't necessarily. And I and uh, why is it their business if any if any food gets produced? I, I don't know. But yeah, uh, if it's your land, do yeah. what the fuck you want with it. Yeah, exactly. that's how it should be. Yeah, exactly. But this, it's just. But again, there, there, so this is this. Yeah, this farm bill seems really nefarious when you look into it. And this last one. So, yeah, no person engaged in the storage in a public warehouse of any basic agricultural commodity in the current of interstate or foreign commerce shall deliver any such commodity upon which a warehouse receipt has been issued and is outstanding without prior surrender and cancellation of such warehouse receipt. Any person violating any of the provisions in this subsection shall, upon conviction, be punished by fine of not more than five thousand dollars or by imprisonment of not more than two years or both. And the secretary of agriculture may revoke any license issued under subsection three of this section if he finds after due notice an opportunity for hearing that the licensee has violated the provisions of this subsection so basically selling goods that they don't have that's kind of although right. isn't, that, isn't that what the futures market is I don't know, but hey you know you said it yeah exactly so so i know you might be wondering when does this bill terminate well yeah when the president says so according to the bill yeah which uh, you know it probably hasn't i'm sure they've had i didn't look at the bills that came after it but i'm sure they basically just continue to go and we'll talk we will actually talk about that so Exactly. And here's a little fun fact. Yeah. Do you know how much they allocated for this back in 1933? Yeah. Hundred million, which in today's twenty twenty three fiat fund coupons is just a little north of two point three bill. And yeah. Now it just it'd be interesting to talk about how uh uh, you know what? What did they? Uh, so, um, you know, what did they? They actually had. They actually def- in the law had to define what commodity was, and so this is this is what they said back in 1933. So, as used in this title, the term basic agricultural commodity means wheat. Uh, cotton, field corn, hogs, rice, tobacco, and milk, and its products, in any regional or market classification type or grade thereof. But the Secretary of Agriculture shall exclude from the operations of the provisions of this title, during any period, any such commodity or classification type or grade thereof, if he finds upon investigation at any time and after the due notice an opportunity for hearing to interested parties, and boy, that phrase comes up a lot, that the conditions of production, marketing, and consumption are such that during such period, this title cannot be effectively administered to the end of effectuating the declared policy with respect to such commodity or classification type or grade thereof. Now, seems like you know they've gotten to the point where they they've kept you know this you know with all the bills that have passed and everything they've they've kept um, they they kept prices artificially low 
um, you know, and, and on certain commodities, and you know, they, and, and in fact, to the point, and they they're actually you know overproducing them in a sense, um, and you know, they got to get used, um, you know, and, and that doesn't necessarily impact, uh, you know, they're you know, they uh, you know, it it, it it it's impacted a lot of industries. All this extra stuff, well, it's impacted a few industries, and I'll pull play play a clip of Lear Keith here, who we, we played in the vegan episode, um, I don't know, some weeks ago, and uh, yeah, but this is what that's just what she had to say on this. The other thing that you find in the archaeological record is that humans are long and tall and strong and they keep all their teeth and, and their bones are disease-free until you hit agriculture. And then suddenly everybody shrinks six inches and they lose their teeth and their bones are riddled with disease. I think I played the wrong clip. I, I have the wrong clip in my in my notes and that's not good. But yes. um, <laughs> now, of course, one of the things that agriculture did... You know, and, and so yeah, wrong clip, but um, you know, to the but the I, I had I think I had noted and documented the wrong clip there. I'm sure I, f I will have I will find it at some point and play it. But no big deal. But but you know, in any case, um, you know, the USDA used the depression to effectively gain more influence by well feeding people. I mean, that's that's the whole. You know, if you think about it, because they're you know, well you know, we get into some of you know, some of the stuff that the you know, there's some of the obvious uh, conflicts of interest you might say, uh, but uh, the. Uh, yeah, but one of the you know one of the things that uh, yeah they they used to sort of gain influence over what people eat is well you know by giving them the food when maybe they don't have enough money to get it on their own. The supplemental nutrition assistance program, formerly known as food stamps, also traces its roots to the depression. All told, the agriculture department administers more than a dozen domestic nutrition programs. And the Congressional Budget Office estimates that more than 80% of USDA spending over the next decade will be for nutrition, while direct spending for agriculture is expected to account for less than 20%. Well, the, I mean, of course, you realize that they're basically paying both sides. You know, they're playing both sides, right? They absolutely are. And, you know, there's other interests at work here as well. Yeah, this is this is a typical – we, play, we played this clip last week, but again, it's a um, – you know, it's interesting. But it's interesting to talk about, uh, you know, um, I don't know an unholy alliance uh, that started in 1964, but um, maybe not. Kennedy decides to seek – uh, a permanent authorization for this food stamp program. But of course, by 64, he's, he's, he's been assassinated. And so the 1964 Food Stamp Act, on which the current program is based, it's the original authorization is 1964 Food Stamp Act, uh, it makes stamps a permanent program under the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, why not Why not health, human, health, education, and welfare? Because it was seen still through the lens of agricultural policy and it was dictated by the agricultural committees in Congress. And without the support of the agricultural sector in, co in Congress, you were never going to have food stamps. That was just reality of it all. Um, it was pushed through by Johnson as part of his war, uh, war on poverty. And it was only passed after urban liberals threatened to block farm subsidy programs unless rural conservatives voted for nutrition programs. Classic. This is a classic what we call quid pro quo in Congress. That is... What was quite clear after some bumpiness in the legislative process that urban Democrats basically said in no, no small words, few words, if you don't, to, to Southern Democrats, in particular Southern conservatives, if you don't support food stamps, we are going to block your cotton program. And rural conservatives got the message because they saw their numbers decreasing as the nation became more suburban and urban. Without the support of urban Democrats, 
rural de- conservatives, rural Democrats in particular, were not going to get their farm programs. So the deal was struck. The farm programs plus food stamp marriage began, which still holds to this day, which is part of the secret to its longevity. It's rather interesting that the original farm bill in 33 also addressed cotton. So it's actually arguable that this unholy alliance probably goes back further than the uh, Food Stamp Act of 64. Yeah. Yeah. And so and what it said, and actually you can read again, read the bill. Um, the Federal Farm Board and all departments and other agencies of the government, not including the federal intermediate credit banks, are hereby directed, A, to sell to the Secretary of Agriculture at such price as may be agreed upon, not in excess of market price, all cotton now owned by them. B, to take such action that to make such settlements as necessary in order to acquire full legal title to all cotton on which money has been loaned or advanced by any department or agency of the United States, including futures contracts for cotton or which is held as collateral for loans or advances as to make the final settlement such loans and advances or follows, which, okay. And then, you know, there's a lot more stuff here, but um, basically the way I read it is the government's allowed to buy and sell cotton or futures for it. And therefore, you know, perfectly in a, in a position to, to manipulate the price of it. I mean, I guess all the, you know, the farm subsidies kind of go to both groups. So, um, you know, I guess, I guess they get to, you know, they, they get the ability to regulate the market and, you know, um, <clears throat> And because of how these industries are tied together, because again, the, the you know, you, you, you've, you know, we, we read it back in the, the bill in '33, the cotton industry is just, is is, uh, is tied to uh, you know the the the, uh, the food agricultural system, and and uh, you know, they're, they're, so if you th- if you think about it, and, and th- yeah, there's a lot of forces uh, trying to keep things the way they are, and uh, yeah, we know what happens when you keep things the way things are. Things bad things happen. We talk, we've yes, I've been I've been living that, um, and so you got a bunch of large businesses in a cabal together with the government. Government effectively, it's a, you know, it's a corporate fascism, I guess. Um, and when you dig into SNAP, uh, yeah, you know, we talked again. We played this last week. Uh, does you know that SNAP does have a lot of friends, a lot of a lot of uh, organizations that benefit from it? Because SNAP has a lot of friends. And this is the point that what's people what people have missed over time is that the, remember it's a sixty billion dollar a year expenditure before the pandemic. Over during the pandemic, it went to one hundred thirty billion dollars. That amount of money going into the system is essentially, in many respects, an indirect subsidy to the food system. So you've got Walmart loves SNAP. Coca-Cola loves SNAP. Banks, which get paid to process SNAP payments. Retailers, the food industry, craft, you know, you know everybody. That state governments, for the most part, like SNAP because SNAP is free, free federal money. And the states have to pay half the administrative expenses, but essentially you've got you know, millions of dollars of federal money coming in, which is seen by many state governments, including in Massachusetts, as economic stimulus money. Um, in fact, you know, what's been interesting is Massachusetts went, um, in early, you know, went under Bill Weld, then especially under Romney, they turned around the, the state SNAP program um, from being essentially a very low enrolled program, a lot of barriers to entry, and they went out and really expanded, you know, the, the, the elgi- you know, they went out and, and basically made sure they reached out to anybody who's eligible to the point that Massachusetts now is one of, you know, one of a, a handful of states that legitimately can be said enrolls pretty much everybody who's eligible. Because, in fact, that's federal money coming into the state and being spent in local retailers. So it's seen in that economic stimulus term, unlike welfare, unlike cash welfare, which everybody thought was a bad, you know, had a lot more critics, didn't have many friends. SNAP 
has a lot of friends in powerful places. Yeah, so that farm bill from 33, if you'll recall, uh, yeah, the goal was to help farmers out, but um, does it really do so? How much does it seem to help the farmers? And I assume the the farmers are those, some of the rural people that you're, you're talking about uh, generating the political support that it needs to, to survive. So, Well, it depends. I mean, if you're, if you're producing 3,000 acres of corn in Iowa, it has no impact whatsoever. You know, because it's a trivial amount. I mean, but you're, you know, um, however, if you're producing what we've seen, what, what, you know, the experts have seen, you know, again, it, it's marginal in the sense that the, the, you know, there's so much food produced in this country, especially basic commodity crops, that the, that the, that the $60 billion a year spent on SNAP, um, of SNAP spending is really a marginal impact for the, for the for big ag. But what's interesting is that, uh, the, uh, a lot of these SNAP incentive programs uh, do, and, and SNAP spending generally, have impacts for pe- for local farms especially, and also this for smaller operations that are selling fruits and vegetables and other sort of value commodities. So these incentive programs that people can use their SNAP dollars um, at farmers markets prove very popular with local farmers. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, in a in a sense, SNAP doll the SNAP program doesn't have a huge impact for big agriculture, because again, it's just so big. I mean, the volume of stuff coming out of big ag, it, you know, so it has some impact. It's probably has a bigger impact on Walmart than it does on, lo- on farmers. But, you know, the, the agricultural sector lives with it and supports it because it, you know, it does, it is a sort of a benefit of some sort, especially again, for these small farmers who are producing fruits and vegetables, there is some evidence of a direct correlation there. <clears throat> Bullshit. Yeah, we, we all know who's really benefiting from all these subsidies. Yeah no, yeah, no kidding. The USDA heavily subsidizes corn and soybean growers. They receive the bulk of the $15 billion annual farm subsidies. Besides animal feed, the top uses for these two crops are for the production of artificial sweeteners and hydrogenated oils, two ingredients for which the USDA had recommended only, quote, limited consumption. Yeah, well, now they seem to be in everything. Um, That's the truth. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, even the idea of subsidizing agriculture, it's, you know, you know we, we, we're assuming that agriculture has been a good thing. I, I, I'm not so sure about that. Not now, so much. Yeah, I'm pretty, and I'm pretty sure this is the right clip for this point. And it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a long one, but let me play it here. Okay, agriculture is drawdown. Um, and you need to talk, to, yes, we'll talk, about, talk about agriculture. Right, okay. Why is that <laughs> even not healthy? All right, so you got to understand what agriculture is. Um, in very brute terms, you take a piece of land, you clear every living thing off it, and I mean down to the bacteria, and then you plant it to human use. So this is biotic cleansing. I mean, we all know what it's ethnic like cleansing is. Yes, it is, it's, uh, it's but it's of biocide. all life. It's biocide. It's biotic cleansing. I remember you saying something yeah. like a million different organisms in one tablespoon yes, something. Yes, and that's like what we kill when we do living. agriculture. So in nature, you've got a few different templates, but it's all the same idea, which is a whole bunch of different plants, and they all live a long time, and they all communicate with each other, and they all form a community. And their basic goal is to create more life. And the way they do that is by, by creating soil, because soil mm-hmm. is the basis of land life. Mm-hmm. So they protect it. So all the material, whatever it's trees or plants or whatever, they're protecting the soil from exposure. Their roots literally hold it in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all the biological functions of the bacteria and the other microorganisms that either degrade you know, dead matter and they make the nutrients available again and the plants mm-hmm. draw it back mm-hmm. up. And the other thing that plants do, um, the perennial plants anyway, the, the long-lived plants, they have very deep root systems. 
all the minerals that you know make life possible are drawn up from the rock that is our planet by the roots of those okay. plants. Okay, okay. and uh, now that's the basic sort of template for life on Earth. So you have all these different plants working together, creating more soil. The problem with agriculture is that it wipes all those plants out, and you're only planting one or two plants, and these are annuals, they're not perennials. So they're short-lived. So you have to keep wiping, wiping off every year. Every single year, and this is a war. And this is why, you know, Iowa alone uses the energy equivalent of 4,000 Nagasaki bombs every year. And I say this is In a, fertilizer? Yes. Yeah, that's how much. And, and other kinds of energy. Ah. Other kinds of energy ah. use. You need those big machines to get out there and clear it. The world does not want to be a monocrop. I mean, nature does not recognize mm-hmm. this as a living system. And she does everything in her power to repair that wound. Agriculture is a wound. So it's a war every single year. You're driving out the plants and the animals that need a home. I mean, this is a nice way to say extinction. Mm-hmm. And this is what agriculture has done around the globe. We're out of continents, okay? It's been drawdown of soil, of species, of water. Um, and it's been 10,000 years we've trashed the planet. Yeah, I mean, if you think of it that way, yeah, I mean, it, and it's and it's you know we, we start talking you know we start talking to um, with yes I mean our, you know our the, the farmers that we're dealing with here are definitely not doing that kind of stuff right I mean they're they're no they're definitely putting back into the yeah. ground that with, which they're, yeah that, yeah, which, that which is being depleted by what they're doing yeah and then some and it's and, and yeah and I mean even there's there 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 are right and wrong ways to do all you know to do all of this stuff and you know it's it's uh, there's you know there's been I think there was something that came out on or there, um, somebody had posted something on NAS about you know chickens and you know the, why why is the price of uh, eggs so damn high right um, and and there's and I think you know there, there were uh, somebody had 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 shared a video that said uh, well they all just stopped eating the feed and when you, and if you and if you actually let them do what they're supposed to do which is basically go you know go rummage around on the ground and go get bugs and all that stuff exactly yeah that's that's a much more speed that's that's how they uh you know that's how they that's how they uh, eat and and you know and and, I, and i've you know i've been out to casey farms and and and, and debell and i see how they you know how they uh you know move their animals around and and that and that actually makes the, that that makes the soil right that much that much better because they're because yeah part of uh, part of replenishing the soil is letting animals pee and poop on it and get stuff out of it and you know you don't need to you know till it and that kind of thing to, to get everything you know the thing you want out of it and you although you can again you work work with mother nature not against mother nature and things work better but uh, you now this concept of industrial farming right we get into the fact that um you know, and, and we you know, and this this gets into sort of meat production, but but I think industrial farming in general is uh, yeah is yeah they went to this model be, yeah a lot of they went to this model because well frankly it was cheaper and uh, you know and, and unfortunately I think that was uh, to our detriment. Well, I think we all can agree that factory farming has just got to go. Factory farming didn't exist until 1950, and the reason that we have it is because corn became so cheap. Mm-hmm. So you got to ask about you know five mm-hmm. previous questions to this: Why did corn get so cheap? Mm-hmm. Well. Green Revolution. And what this was is people figured out how to take oil and gas and turn it into nitrogen fertilizer. When oil and gas were cheap and abundant, it meant that fertilizer was really cheap. And then they also did a lot of plant breeding and now, of course, genetic engineering Mm. so that all the plants they grow, they they didn't produce anywhere near as much of the cellulotic stalks and the leaves and instead put way more energy into producing the grain itself. So that's these Green Revolution crops. Um, so put that together with the cheap fertilizer, and literally there's this mountain of corn that's produced from the 50s onward. It had nowhere else to go. I mean, it was so cheap. And from, and from that point forward, it made economic sense to take animals off their, their habitat, you know, off, off the farms, the grass, and essentially put the them grass. in cities. So now they live in concrete. 
um, and they're fed corn, which is not their native diet. It kills them. I mean, if you're eating grain-fed beef, you're eating a sick animal. You know, they, they, corn fed. Yeah, corn, corn fed. fed beef. Corn yes. Fed. Yes, absolutely. Grain right. fed. Yes, it's the last thing. On, it's not their native. It kills them, literally. It burns holes in their stomachs. It destroys mm. their livers. Mm. Which is why we give them antibiotics and yes, other stuff. Yes, exactly. To, it's the only sick. way that they're going to survive those 60 so days. So we are all eating sick meat. Yeah, we are. We are. Um, and the reason that that's possible is because of the fossil fuel. Yeah, well, I mean, fossil fuels is one problem, but the fact that, yeah, they're, they're, it's, you know, they're, they're, I, I would point out the bigger issue is that because because they're able to effectively overproduce this commodity, they've been they've kind of they've been tipping their hand and forcing the um, the production, you know, subsidizing the production of these things. And so there's a ton of it. And so, you know, if you make a ton of it, you got to use it. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's one of the uses for it. And it's it's had some downstream effects and it's uh, yeah. And unfortunately, this. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get in. We'll actually get into in the in the second half of the show. Uh, the you know just how uh, you know how does agriculture maybe isn't also great for you anyway. Uh, we'll do that after the toast and jam segment. But first, uh, we have a cavalcade of stupidity. From, we do from our buddy Sir Rev Cybertrucker. Yeah, let me see if I can get it all loaded up here and ready to go. And uh, yeah, there we go. Come on, load, load. Heidi ho, pedalheads. This is Sir Reverend Cybertrucker with this week's Cavalcade of Stupidity. Since its debut on August 13, 1997, South Park has become a staple of American pop culture. On the air for 25 seasons, it has been renewed until 2027. Building on its success in 1999, South Park released a movie. South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut giving us instant comedy classics such as It's Easy, okay? What Would Brian Botano Do? and Blame Canada, not to mention the ever-sassy Kyle's Mom's a Bitch. From the South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut soundtrack, this is Kyle's Mom's a Bitch. Don't do it, Cartman! I'm warning you! Okay, okay. I'm getting pretty sick of him calling my mom. Well, Kyle's mom's a bitch, she's a big fat bitch, she's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. She's a stupid bitch, and there was a bitch, she's a bitch, too. All the boys ain't care. Shut your fucking mouth, Carmen! On Monday, she's a bitch, on Tuesday, she's a bitch, and Wednesday, Saturday, she's a bitch. Then on Sunday, just to be different, she's a super king, come may I may a bitch. Come on, you all know the word. Have you ever met my friend Kyle's mom? She's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. She's a mean old bitch, and she has stupid hair. She's a bitch, 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 Go a little bit, something like this. Mama, you the biggest bitch in the Oh, 
know. I, I guess my ex must be Kyle's mom or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. Let's get to the speaking of which. Let's get to the toast and jam for this week. Um, let's do that. Let's do that. So yeah, my divorce seems like it won't end, um, but uh, that is uh, that's a whole. But uh, hopefully, it's uh, the paperwork's supposedly done. But yeah, there's. I won't get into the details of what's going on there. But hopefully, everything will be signed uh, next week. But uh, you know, you know, till it happens, it happens. Uh, just the, just she's doing what she's doing. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. obscene. That's the point. Yeah, I guess. So, do you have any do you have any fun tales from rideshare this week? Well, the fact I got home at like five thirty this morning because I worked literally since let's see, I left at eight o'clock Friday morning, got home five o'clock Saturday morning. So yeah, effectively worked a twenty-one hour day. Yeah, and you probably got about three hours of sleep. Yeah, I think I might have gotten between four and four and a half before being pestered, but I was not. Hey, I did not pester you this morning. No, but you literally scared the shit out of me as I'm sitting on the throne <laughs> in the downstairs bathroom and I'm trying to be quiet and a completely naked, wrinkly motherfucker <laughs> appears in the doorway and I literally shit myself. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. But no, that's terrible. You're not wrinkly. You're gorgeous, and I adore you. But anyway, yeah, uh, I didn't realize that he was awake, and I was trying not to wake him up, and he came down because yeah, it was I, way past what time I should have been home, even though you knew that I was going to be yeah, a little late. I didn't expect right. to be that late. Yeah, well, that's okay. It's all good. So, yeah. um, okay, but uh, you also had a you also uh, got a card for a tattoo artist, apparently. I did. I. Ooh. Sorry, now I'm being Barney over here. Yeah, who's being Barney? Please edit that out. That was horrible. No, no, no you of course suck. not. <laughs> anyway, well, it is the Toast and Jam. You know, shit can go bad in the Toast and Jam, and it's okay. But anyways, so I pick this person up, and I bring her on our way to bring her home. She's telling me how she used to, she had actually gone to school for drafting. She had gone to college for drafting, and... About the time she graduated is when everybody went to AutoCAD. So basically all of the jobs dried up. So she was working for Starbucks doing their billboard signs. Or not billboard. I I keep saying billboard. It's the blackboards. Mm. The like folding signs. And a guy was watching her. So TLDR is that they decided to go into tattooing. I guess he was an artist and asked her if she had ever thought of doing so. Because a lot of that is lettering and this, that, and the other thing. And before you knew it. Bing, bang, boom. She's a tattoo artist. And she gave me her card, which I will have a picture of it posted in the show notes because it's a really gorgeous card. And I'm definitely going to be getting into contact with her. I'm going to look at her profile on some social profile site. I don't know. I'm going to find what her art looks like. And if I like her work, then I'm going to go get some put on me. Yeah. I'll, I'll find a piece that's... Um, you know, important to me that I want to get that's a uh, modest size because, you know, school is a thing and it's sucking all my soul and my money out currently. Yeah, well, that's yeah. We but uh, you know, you're you're doing a good job trying to keep it all uh, together there because there's it's uh, you know we're you know we're going through with the school stuff. I mean, there's I won't get into all of it, but but um, you know we're we're making progress in it all and getting you know getting all the work done. It's just uh, you know there's a little bit of teeth gnashing that's going on with some oh, of this stuff. Oh, more than just a little bit of teeth gnashing. Yeah. Ugh. 
there is truly a reason why they call statistics sadistics. Yeah, well, yeah. I went, Jesus Christ on crutches. Yeah, uh, the, when I took the class, I called it probability and sadistics. So oh, it's um, it's it's truly hell on earth. Yeah. If if you know, if there was a hell, yeah. this sadistics class would truly yeah. be its setting. And my professor, the devil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm. I'm yeah, this is this is the time of year where Phone Boy makes his money. Um, so it is uh, conference season at work. It's we're still. Uh, it's it, this year. It's a hybrid event. All the, yeah, I'll, I'll spare you a lot of the details of it. But this is the time of year where I'm really busy. Uh, look, uh, uh, watch, uh, looking at a lot of videos, um, reading, reading and correcting a lot of subtitles. Um, takes Which is why Phoenix working overtime until this semester is over around May-ish is probably going to be a big thing for the next couple of months because he's going to be busy anyway. There's no point in being home watching him work or tearing my own hair yeah. out trying to do my homework so i might as well make money while i can yeah. since school is taking two days a week away from that ability for me yeah well that and we've we've got yeah i mean it's well the, i mean the, the what i'm working on right now will will you know probably you know by the end of march it should be a, a non-issue but yeah there's well, that's two months for those who yeah, have but math I, skills like you're supposed to yeah well but i think that i think the bulk of the work's going to be done uh, probably in the next couple of weeks at least i mean there'll be some it's just yeah right now it's just kind of crunch time because because things are the first round is uh, is uh, actually this coming week and so uh, yeah there and then the, the second round is you know the, the week after so there's a lot of stuff I'm looking at and I'll probably you know again there's just just a lot of little things to sort of uh, to, to tie up and in, in when, when you're doing a virtual conference uh, with uh, you know again there's some physical stuff going on but it's yeah anyway we're we've got our uh, you know, we got our hands full uh, you know, between the two of us and so yeah the shit we're trying to figure out how we're also going to you know do a show because y'all like to listen to us so um you know we, we try to put together a show for you guys so it's uh, there's yeah that. i have to address the fact that one of the assignments i had was to fill out a time management worksheet where it says there's 168 hours in a seven day week how many hours are you spending all together and it's got this list of different things like how long do you spend sleeping how long do you spend socializing like whatever 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 fill this thing out Y'all, I ain't even kidding. 164 and a half hours is what I'm using per week. And my instructor sends me an email going, do you feel like you have extra time? With a 3% uh, margin of error? I don't fucking think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, yeah, um, so we, uh, let's see, I think we have, okay, so... Let's see what else we've got here. We've we I guess we're I guess we're down to the voicemails uh, for the for the show, and um, don't sound so disappointed. I, I know. Well, we didn't have a lot. There wasn't a lot going on just because again we're both just like this week has been. Just own your shit and lean into the mistake that we didn't show post and say, hey guys, this is our subject. Call two five three two three seven three three two one and tell us what your favorite food is. Yeah, that's right. We we didn't do a, yeah we did not do much, but we did get we did get one. And, and there you we'll, go. we will play. We will play the one voicemail we got, and uh, let's let's load it up here. Yay! Uh, it's from one of our from one of our favorites, and uh, here we go. Woo! It's Saturday, where you sit down and listen to this podcast. Yeah. Uh so hello, fun boy. Hello, Phoenix. How are thou? Thou art great. Yada yada yada. Um, my favorite food would be a burrito. Actually, 
Um, I never really had a favorite food growing up. Like, I've, I've never been really one for, like, ah, this is my favorite sort of thing in general, um, which my wife extremely loves that fact um, because, you know, not. Anyway, um, as far as, like, going to, like, food or, like, hey, what do you feel like doing or kind of thing, you know, to, like, just give an answer. Anyway, uh, yeah, but burrito. And so, yeah, growing up, I never really had a favorite. I remember, like, when – like family vacations and stuff like that. We'd be like, even when we go out for breakfast or something like that, I'd usually get like a burger or I'd often get a burger um, just because um, like more of a hearty than a sweet, sweet tooth, I guess. So it's like, I don't really care about the pancakes and stuff and whatnot. I'd rather just have a burger. Anyway, but, and then never really had a favorite food. And I remember listening or reading this uh, interview with this uh, spoken word poet that I used to, uh, used to do stuff back in the day named Bradley Hathaway, and he said his favorite food was burrito. And then I was like, hey, that's going to now be my favorite food, so I can actually have an answer, and it actually does apply because I enjoy burritos, and you can put everything in burritos, eggs, and whatever, you know, from breakfast to lunch, to, I put the random stuff in there too, you know, just leftovers or whatever, throw that in the tortilla shell, and you got a burrito. And, uh, yeah, so that's my favorite food. And, yeah. And just a PSA, because we had a, we had a, uh, uh, friend die last night, and, uh, they had some adult kids, but they're like 20s to early 30s sort of thing. They had three kids and, uh, sort of thing, and, uh, we ended up picking up one of the kids, because he was, he lived out of town, and we didn't want him driving solo and stuff like that, so he could be with his siblings and, and yada, and, uh, um, he had just talked to his dad, like, Monday or whatever, and, uh, you know, he was just saying how glad he was he was able to see him and, and stuff like that and just give him a hug and, and just interacting. And so I guess just, you know, give those people a call a hug, you know, or give those people, you know, just give give people a call, tell them you love them, you know, hug them when you see them sort of thing, when you see them next time, when you see them and whatnot, and because and, uh, you just never know. So, all right, well, I love you guys. Stay dangerous. And, uh, we got second, 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 second. Chicago! Chicago! Thank you, Mr. Christopher Battles, and our condolences yeah. to your friends, family, yep. and whatnot. That's really rough. Yeah, uh, so we, uh, okay, so, um, yeah, let's, potential show titles would be a burrito. I mean, actually, and I gotta say, one of my favorite, f- prior to, uh, switching to, uh, no sugar, uh, you know, no grains, yeah, burrito would, is pretty, it, you could, cause yeah, you can throw less stuff in a, in a tortilla, you know. Uh, driving so low, as in driving S O L O W, uh, and then call hug. Love it. Yeah, those are the, those are uh, three show titles that came from that voicemail. Now we got two more voicemails in. Yay! Yeah, I love it when we get voicemails. Uh, so yeah, uh, keep them coming. Is uh, uh, yeah, and they got and, and uh, you know, Mama T likes a uh, pizza. Yeah, um, put some um, put some anchovies on that pizza. We we might have a uh, thing. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Dad subjected you to that, Mama T, whether you Horrible. like it or not. You, you Horrible. Can, yeah, because uh, that that that's where that that's where I get that sickness from. Um, so and it is a sickness. You're a sick, sick man. That's right. All right. It's so. like the way you eat your steak. Yeah, moo, and it moo, eats moo. your salad. Okay, let's see. So we got a voicemail here. So um, I'm not sure who this is from, but I don't recognize the number. But we'll play the we will play said voicemail right now. Ah, Rev here. Uh, let's see. Favorite food. Well, I am of French, Irish, and German descent. However. 
in the vein of John Finette, my stomach is Italian. And I got to say, my absolute favorite food is, and I know you're going to shoot me because of the carbs and shit, but it's lasagna. That is my favorite food. I'm basically fucking Garfield. So that's my uh, chime in. In the pod. We love you. Thanks, Rev. We, we, we love you, too. Um, so, yeah. And you uh, know what? I'm not hating on that lasagna. Matter of fact, if I can find it, I've got a knockout lasagna recipe. Because, you know, before I actually took control of my health and my life, my ex-mother-in-law was nice enough to bestow upon me the lasagna recipe. Well, the sauce, anyway, yeah. recipe. I introduced her to the no-bake noodles because yeah. they are awesome. Yeah, because oh of the because of the cards, I think, was it was a potential show title. I, I like it. Yeah. Um, so, all right, we got one more, and I think this is from your mom. So, I will, I think this is, yeah, so here we go. Hi, this is Mama Lee. And I just want to say about this food stamp thing, when Phoenix was about five years old, we had financial difficulty. She might have been younger than that. Um, so we applied for food stamps. But in order to get them, we had to clean out her savings account before we could get them. So we struggled because neither me or my husband was going to let that happen. It wasn't right. That was her money for when she got older. And they wanted us to take it. Didn't happen. So we didn't get food stamps. I just want to say, that really sucked. Thank you. <laughs> I Now y'all know where Phoenix gets her fieriness from. Oh, when my, yeah. When my I've, mom I've heard, sinks I've, I've, teeth I've, into yeah, something. Yeah, your, your mom. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's pretty flaming. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she is she's definitely she she can be quite a spitfire truly yeah, she can um, and and very virtuous i mean honestly to stay with my father for that fucking long whew, woman's up for sainthood but anyway yeah exactly but um, and that is really you know she told me that story behind the mic when i talked to her after the show last week and i said oh my god mom you absolutely have got to call in and tell that story because I think it really speaks to just the dark intentions of our government. They're not really there to help us in any way, shape, or form. And they haven't been from the beginning. They're truly just out for themselves as the clips that we've played and the ones that we will play upcoming will definitely highlight. Yeah. Um, okay, there we go. I'm trying. I, I thought I had loaded that clip. I'm going to try and because I need that clip for the next one here for this. This is because, yeah, you know, you think I'd have prepared all of this. I, I did it. I did actually prepare all of this. The problem is, is you did like ninety nine point eight percent of the effort and work this week for you know reasons I stated earlier with yeah. working until the next oh. day. Oh, ultimately. we got we got another voicemail. <gasps> Yay, Squee! Squee! I don't know who this is, but uh, we're gonna play it, and you know, we we don't uh, we don't hit me with a voicemail. Hit you with a voicemail.
Uh, y'all hit the. I accidentally Sorry, passed y'all. it. Sorry, y'all. That was an oops. That was an oops on my part. I don't need a card. So, you know, I, I just, like, keep the lettuce and the meat and stuff. Um, and uh, when I'm in Alaska, so, which is where I live, my favorite food is generally fresh salmon. So it, it, it really just kind of depends on where I am or what I'm doing. Now, uh, there's another thing about favorite foods. My favorite foods to cook are the foods that other people like to eat. And in that case, carbs don't matter because if somebody else likes to eat carbs and I can bake them a delicious loaf of bread, I'm going to do it. Okay, so there you go. My favorite food. Oh, wait, I've got to add this part. My favorite foods are always real foods because that fake crap that, that comes from, I don't know, Frito-Lay or Cargill or General Mills or any of that crap, that's not actual food. Um, my favorite food is always real food, food that was meant to be food, not food that was meant to be flat. So, uh, thank you so much, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks, Fox. Um, yeah, thanks, Fox. Yeah, and the, it's it, funny we were just having a conversation about salmon the other night. Yeah, exactly. Because because I I so it, it's funny when when it's when I when I lived in the Seattle area and it was Copper River salmon season. Yeah, if I happened happened to go to a restaurant, even if it was a steak place, if they had Copper River Copper River salmon, about you know, probably about four weeks of the year, you could you might be able to get it. Uh, yeah, uh, that would be that would be a, a, a hell yes. Um, yeah, we were having discussion about uh, you know. Um, yeah, of course, being from the Pacific Coast, uh, Pacific salmon's always, uh, um, you know, I, 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 have a, I have a bit of a preference for that. But uh, you know, and I, I'm not saying that's a that's a that's a hard requirement or anything. But uh, um, but yeah, there, it's this question of you know, I, and I, I, it's a question of where are you, right? Because yeah, um, yeah, when I'm in, I, when I'm in uh, in in um, when I'm in Israel, my my favorite uh, food, which I should eat, is probably hummus. Um, but uh you know maybe a little bit of falafel but uh yeah that the, there's uh, that's about uh you know the, but but yeah the, that those are sometimes foods i haven't been to israel in in this it's more than 2 years and it's uh, uh but uh yeah so what is your favorite food 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 yeah real <laughs> yeah real food yes much like vox said yeah, you know re- that's a really hard question to answer i i don't know yeah because ever since i started eating the way that we eat yeah. It took away all the things that I thought were my favorite foods. Yeah. Um and honestly, yeah, I mean it, this is it's just when you realize that most of it it just isn't food, right? And yeah. and okay, now I, I got it okay, so to, it's, we're gonna we're gonna go with I think it's I think it's a good uh segue into our second half, right? And and I had seen this this uh, this uh, this doctor recently that say some just ridiculous shit. No, oh, she's in the Biden administration defining the dietary guidelines for twenty, you know, uh, for Americans. And you know, and and it's funny because uh, you know we're um, I'm gonna play this clip and we're probably gonna stop it a couple times here. But this was a clip from sixty minutes of this doctor, this doctor douchebag um, that uh, was saying, yeah, diet has absolutely nothing to do with uh, obesity. It's a brain disease. It is? It's a brain disease. And the brain tells us how much to eat and how much to store. Dr. Fatima. This bitch is a brain disease. Yeah, no shit. Um, yeah, and I think it, it, it is. It is a really. Uh, yeah, it's it's just kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of whatever. Yeah, it's just it's just. I mean, there's. Yeah, your your brain. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's your brain is not just 
doing things. It's, you know, it's driven by hormones and all kinds of other stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, Okay, we got we we did uh, all right. Uh, but I, before I get too far into this, we did get a text from Weirdo uh, on, the, uh, on on our two five three two three seven three three two one. He said bacon wrapped cream cheese stuffed portobello mushrooms. I think that's, a, that's oh, a, that's obscene. Yeah, that's the recipe, point. please. Yeah, exactly. Oh my, yeah, I'm touched by that thought. Yeah, Doctor Douchebag. Yes, I, I when I said Doctor Douchebag, I knew that was going to be a potential show title. So, uh, you know, we got to. I think, but uh, yeah, Doctor Douchebag here. Um, yeah, let's 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 continue playing this clip. Fiddle play. Let's see, fiddle. Or did I stop it? Okay, we're gonna have to start over on this clip. Let's try this again. It's a brain disease. It is. It's a brain disease, and the brain tells us how much to eat and how much to store. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford, an obesity doctor at Mass General Hospital, an associate professor at Harvard Medical School, says common beliefs about obesity are all wrong. Okay, I, I had to stop that. Uh, that's how you know it's full of bullshit. Uh, you know what? Is, you know, gotta play the bullshit clip. Uh, <clears throat> bullshit. Yeah, of course. Uh, shall I continue with this? And uh, wait, did they say uh, Mass General? Yes, they did. Okay, I invite all of our listeners to look at the stats for Mass General. Being a New Englander, I can tell you that hospital is shit. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, given the advice she's saying, I would would tend to agree with that. Turn to get on that scale. And diet shows, like The Biggest Loser, you lost 128 pounds, are snookering people. If you diet, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you lose weight. Right. For many of us, we can go on a diet, something like the biggest loser. Right. You Mm -hmm. go and you strict people. You make them work out for 10 hours a day and then you feed them 500 calories. For most people, they will acutely lose weight. But 96 percent of those participants in the biggest loser regained their weight because their brain worked well. It was supposed to bring them back to store what they needed or what the brain thinks it needs. So willpower, throw that out the window. Okay, so I'm gonna. I, I stopped it again. Now she is correct that willpower ultimately, yeah, ultimately willpower is not the thing. But you know what they feed, them, what they do with these diets. Uh, just, just so you know, right? Because because the reason why the, the big, you know, all, the, there's not a reunion of biz, biggest loser uh, uh, participants is because the, you know, because the diet. It's it's not just you know that we don't. There's nothing that talks about well the diet. But if but if we're but if again we're following the dietary guideline, she's basically, you know, it's like these are the you know that's basically the guidelines that these biggest loser participants are doing and yeah it's not working um maybe that maybe it's maybe it's not the uh you know maybe it's not the fact that dieting doesn't work maybe it's just that your eating pattern is not correct but what do i know you know just that's just me my last patient that i saw today was a young woman who's 39 who struggles with severe obesity she's been working out five to six times a week consistently she's eating very little her brain is defending a certain set point. As a set point, says Dr. Stanford, is a range of weight your brain is in charge of maintaining by controlling how much food you eat and how much of it you store. One theory is that it's an evolutionary survival mechanism that helped retain fat during famines. So we had COVID. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of people gain weight. Do those people have a new set point that's higher now? Absolutely. So when you have a chronic stressor and you get to a certain weight and maintain that weight for, let's say, at least three to six months, then you recalibrate that set point to a different set point. 
Well, you know, okay, well, look wow. For, yeah, what Where is this? that fucking bullshit clip? Yeah. <clears throat> bullshit. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. So, how many how many pounds now is it, phone boy, that you've lost? Uh, well, from where I started, I was I'm at about 130 down. But uh, you know, okay. First- so 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 let's just address that, okay, yeah. for for one second. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sucking you off on this one. But if if we go with her theory, right? Uh, how long were you an epic fat tub of shit? Uh, probably since I was. I was over. I was overweight by the time I was a teenager. So okay, so argue it twenty years. Yeah, I mean, something De- like definitely that. more than six months. Yeah, that's true. But okay, so if we go along with uh, Doctor Douchebag's we, theory, yeah. ultimately there's no way you should have been able to do what you've done. Well, but or, but I would have to go to the argue because I was a skinny little kid when before I because I was. But I, she's I, saying the brain rewires itself. After you maintain this high weight and everything to, you know, this whole survival mechanism that she's talking about. If you go with that theory, which is clearly bullshit, then you sitting here as felt as you are should not be a something that was possible. All the members of Vinny's group that have lost epic amounts of weight. Yeah, that shouldn't have been possible either. Yeah, hundreds of pounds and kept it off. Yeah, you know, you you get a little bit, you you go up a little bit. Yeah, stress is a big thing. And oh, by the way, you know, uh, you know, so this is this is some interesting statistics. So if you ever if you look at ever look at pictures from, uh, you know, I don't know, like a Peter Frampton concert in the 70s, you want to go that, you know, uh, or you go back to Woodstock 1969. I, you know, finding a, a fat person would be like finding Waldo in those photos. Right. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, and, and you know, 1970, a mere 15 percent of Americans were obese. Now, by 2020, that number had risen to almost 40 percent. And I bet that number is significantly higher now, thanks to the fear porn that is a COVID-1984. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. So but but it, it's weird. But when you know and now you and I are both young enough to remember the four food groups. Right. I mean, oh, yes. yeah. So the, the milk, meat, vegetables and fruits, bread and cereals. Right. Um, now, I remember seeing educational films from before I was born uh, when they had five food groups. Actually, fruits and vegetables were separate groups. And it, may, and it actually makes sense because, you know, fruits tend to be higher in sugar because they because they are right. Uh, you know, they, they, they can they contain more sugar. And, and um, so uh, there wasn't propaganda about how much to eat. That if I remember from back then, it was only that you should have some of you know some of uh, from each group each day right for a balanced diet now exactly now the the official um you know the the official uh dietary guidelines i gotta this is i need to pull this clip for a second if you can uh you can vamp for me for a second while i yeah no problem yeah and you know those of us who are old enough to remember the whole five food groups thing and we also remember when the food pyramid actually came into existence in the 1990s matter of fact i think it was 1992 to be specific yeah it was and uh so we'll talk about we'll talk we'll uh, do a little bit of the inter- introduction of the food pyramid and, you know and that was the clip i was trying to find here year 1992 the united states Agricultural Department published the well-known food pyramid in order to take the fight against obesity. found that a substantial breakfast makes a big difference in preventing hunger pangs. For lunch, a generous... This food pyramid would be shared among the community and preached in school for the new generations to learn. It would be perceived as the most healthy way of eating 
by 82% of Americans. All right. So now it's interesting because, you know, we talk and, 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 you know, and I know from some of the research that we did previously that, um, you know, I'm sure Seventh-day Adventists had a hand in all of this because they're... Don't they always? Yeah, they well, because, uh, yeah, they don't want people eating meat. So they, I didn't... Yeah, they're always that. sticking their dick in things despite the fact they're trying to keep men from getting their own dicks hard. Yeah, well... Um, Hello, cornflakes. Which, you know, I mean, but of course, the funny thing is if uh, men don't get hard, uh, they, 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 they can't propagate their bullshit because there's no humans to propagate. Humans won't be propagating, so... Um, yeah, so, you know, but it was interesting who created the food permit. I didn't, I didn't realize this. This is a clip you ran across, um, that I, that was interesting, uh, because, uh, yeah, maybe the food permit wasn't quite as bad when it was submitted. Uh, maybe. But, uh, here- that's what that, that's all that money I got to pay for college is paying off. I'm learning how to research. Nutrition expert Louise Light was teaching at New York University when she was recruited by the Department of Agriculture to create a new food guide to replace the basic four food groups. Light and her team created the original pyramid. It was designed to promote a diet based on fruits and vegetables with only limited amounts of carbs. The team submitted the original food pyramid to authorities within the USDA for approval. But when Light saw her pyramid in its final form, she was shocked. The Office of the Secretary of Agriculture had made major changes to it that had nothing to do with improving health and nutrition. And it had everything to do with protecting the profits of the giants within the food industry. Are, are we surprised, folks? I was going to say, anybody shocked? Show yeah. hands. Now, okay, so what what was in the food pyramid? Well, you know, at the base of the pyramid, right? And, 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 I, and I, it was funny because we were we were just you know right before the show, we we're trying to we we're, we we're looking for uh, you know things because I remember it because you said oh the base is something else. I said no, it's grains. This is when they, when that released in ninety two. That's what it was released at. Now now you found this great video. It was a, produced by the Kansas Wheat Commission and the Kansas Lean Food Professionals. Oh, it is such a total yeah. fear porn propaganda. Yes, piece. This is, it was yeah there were there was some interesting stuff in this in this video that we 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 pulled um and this is it, it, it's from 1992 so uh you know with with, che- with it was a there was a cheesy song in it and stuff which we didn't grab but but uh the base of the food pyramid so again this comes from the weed industry so take it you know take it away now let me tell you a little something about this food pyramid thing you've entered the base of the pyramid this is a level where you'll find bread rice pasta and cereal all that kind of stuff now, the reason they're at the base is you need to eat more of this type of food than anything else. Well, of course, the weed industry would say that, right? Of course. You know, and of course, and it's funny because they talk about, um, you know, it's like, oh, the beef industry, uh, you know, uh, it promotes this uh, saying, eat beef thing. Well, yeah, but we don't say anything about the other side. That sounds real familiar. Um, yeah. And of course, they claim that, uh, you know, um, it'll be really good for you. Because if you eat six to 11 servings from this food group every day. It'll be real good for you. <clears throat> Bullshit. Yeah, I, I can assure you not. Now, oh, if you think that's a steaming sack of shit, wait till you hear the next clip. Well, I heard white bread isn't good for you. White bread is good for you. It's enriched with three B vitamins, iron, and contains nutrients and fiber. It's also very low in fat. <sighs> yeah, well, this is uh, the, yeah, this is the demonization of fat. Now, speaking of fat, um, our, our our favorite Vinnie Tortorich, um, actually, uh, it, it was funny because we were looking for other things to say about the food pyramid, and we I figured we would go with Vinnie because he desc- he he actually describes the uh, the food pyramid in his movie Fat, a documentary, which uh, we'll play a clip from here. So, in 1992, we did the most brilliant thing we've ever done as a country. We started the food pyramid. I always have to read it off of a piece of paper. The pyramid at the base was bread, cereal, and rice. Six to 11 servings, not per week. Hang on, folks. 
per day. On top of that, three to five vegetables per day. Fruit, two to four vegetables. And then it goes into milk, dairy. Now, when you sit there and think about it, you go, that sounds like a lot of food. Am I supposed to eat all of that every day? According to the government, yes, you do. Just in carbohydrates, you have 11 and 5 and 16 and 4. That's 20 servings of carbohydrates every day. And then when you get into milk and dairy, milk has carbohydrates. There's lactose in milk. That's like drinking sugar. Now it gets even worse because we start wondering this. What's a serving? Yeah, there we go. So, um, yeah, it, it's it, it's it, it, it gets darker, though, guys, because there was actually a whole lot of propaganda around this healthy way of eating that Disney participated in. And unfortunately, they did it at the time with the Lion King, which was very popular. Yeah, they did it. They did it with a bunch of other and ones, too. Some but Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, there you go. Pumba, you eat like a pig. I am a pig. You gotta eat the right stuff. Start with a little meat, a little dairy. You gotta add a bunch of fruit. And lots of veggies. You should have tons of grain, bread, cereal, rice, noodles. And you should eat less. And by less, I mean a whole lot less fat. Now that's smart. Get satisfied. Sorry. Oh, yeah, eat less fat because that's going to help, especially with all those breads and grains that you're eating. You'll never shit again. Yeah, exactly. So and uh, yeah, there's been, you know, I think obviously like the the obesity epidemic kind of went kind of went, you know, kind of went asymptotic, uh, you know, right when all this stuff happened. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that if you if you you look at uh, history, you know, you go back in history, you won't, you know, we didn't have these guidelines and everybody was healthier. Well, you know, nobody wants that. What the heck is that? The secret to life. A healthy life. Some people never figure it out. This is bullshit. Behind all the suffering, there is big money to be made. Not only by the big giants of the food industry, but also by the healthcare system. Since more people started having diabetes, heart disease, and other health problems caused by eating an unhealthy diet. Okay, the guy sounds like Father Guido Sarducci. <laughs> oh my God! You know, I didn't think about it, but he really does. Yeah, I know because we're going. Oh, we are so dating ourselves yeah, we, with that, though. Yeah, we are. Yeah. So, Ouch. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because uh, much like they say about communism, you didn't experience real communism. You need to communism harder or something like that. Uh, so, and, and they realize this. They yeah, they clearly realize this wasn't working. So they doubled down and rebranded the, the same bullshit as the plate method. It's described in a series of videos from Kaiser Permanente that we played a um, a while back. But uh, you get get the basic idea here. What can you make your family for dinner that's healthy and tastes good? You can follow the plate method. This healthy eating plan works for everybody, including people with diabetes. Indeed, making nutritious, healthy meals will be a snap. Yeah, and this is, of course, this is a propaganda. This is this follows the plate, you know, like myplate.gov or whatever. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, I pulled out some, you know, I, I pulled out the basics of this uh, of this thing. And I know we played these before, but uh, they're they're good for commentary. Well, this is a, what. So, what is the plate method? You 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 wonder. Well, here here you go. What's a healthy plate? It's a way to control your serving sizes where you don't have to count. Simply use a seven-inch plate for children and 
a 9-inch plate for adults. First, divide the plate in half and fill one of them with vegetables. Okay. What happens if you have square plates? Uh, Asking for a friend. Yeah, exactly. Which we, we do have square plates. Now, of course, That's why I asked. Now they, now they, have a, they have a variation here on this, other, um, on this other thing. If you have diabetes, fill half your plate with non-starchy vegetables. Yeah, which... Okay, well, but the funny thing is, okay, so with these dietary guidelines that that kicked in, you know, actually, you know, this. So when they when this stuff got introduced in '92, we go back to the beginning of the food that when the food permit, they, you know, the food industry was very happy with it, and of course, they immediately started producing products for it. Uh, you know, let's just talk. Let's, uh, you know, they they uh, they followed along. Suddenly, every individual in America that was following those guidelines started avoiding fats. This meant that people were now looking to buy low-fat foods. The giant corporations were now forced to stop using ingredients that are high in fat, but food still had to taste good. So instead of using fat, companies started using sugar to make their foods taste good. And you guys might recognize the commercial that we're going to play for you if you are of a certain age of one of the worst offenders of this particular bandwagon trend. Brought to you by Nabisco. Ding! Excuse me. Do you make these delicious fat-free snackwell double scoop cookies? Why, yes, I do. You want to tell us why we can't find them in the stores anymore? Well, what is this? You got some explaining to do, Cookie Man. Yeah. They're a little more popular than we expected. Ooh, yeah. these guys quick. Well, we're making more as fast as we can. Oh, you're breaking my heart. Hey, I just make the cookies. You want the big boys upstairs. The makers of fat-free snackwell's devil's food cookies apologize for the short supply. Meanwhile, keep enjoying the other varieties. Yeah, check his trunk. You don't want to do that. You know, not gonna lie, they were delicious. <laughs> yeah, but the, but but you know, of course, of course, I should have the more sugar cue. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't. Yeah, I'm surprised. But you know, here's the thing, right? Um, you know, and and people didn't understand the difference between the types of carbs, right? You know, because they say complex carbs or whatever. Simple carbs, complex so, carbs. Yeah, but does it? But and in fact, uh, you it know, really does matter. It does, in the it end. does it matter in the end? But here, but I mean, this it is does. this has been a this has been a point of confusion for a while, though. Mm-hmm. I'll play the clip. The average American living in the 1990s had no idea what simple and complex carbohydrates are, which led the average person consuming big amounts of highly processed foods. Fats were suddenly perceived as the devil of the food industry. Yeah, but there, there's a reason why Snackwells was very popular. Uh, both with uh, you know, sugar, yeah, yeah, sugars as addictive as cocaine. We know this. Um, We've now, spoke on it. However, but who really cares about the difference between complex carbs and carbs? Uh, they're kind of end up hitting the body the same way. So there's all the things you're not getting, but then there's all the things you're getting too much of with an agricultural diet. Essentially, it's way too much sugar. So every day, mm. um, I mean, you can call it complex carbohydrate if it makes you happy, but in the, at the end of the day, it's all just sugar. Yeah, because the starches that are in our grains, right, break they, down they break quickly down. Into, yeah. into sugars. Yeah. So then what's wrong with that? Well, um, it's way too much insulin. and It requires this insulin response. So, for instance, your brain can only function at a very, very uh, small range of sugar, glucose, blood glucose. So if you put in too much, it's a biological emergency. 
and then your pancreas has to secrete all this insulin, which will grab it out of your bloodstream and, and sock it away, usually in your fat cells, as fast as it can, or you'll die. So it's an emergency response. Wow. And this is not what insulin was meant for. So every time you eat one of those meals, you're demanding that your body produce that much insulin, and then there's a whole cascade of effects that happen from having that, that constant blood sugar roller coaster. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and obvious things like diabetes and hypoglycemia, but on into, for instance, cancer. And the, the sad part about the whole situation is that, honestly, what we've learned from this whole experience is that, ultimately... Here's something interesting to know. Carbs are the only macronutrient your body does not need. Your body can survive on zero carbs forever. You can't survive with zero fat or zero protein. Yeah, which, um, yeah, and oh, by the way, um, yeah, your body can literally make its own, uh, you know, its own sugar. It's called gluconeogenesis, and there's, and there's lots of ways it can uh, generate those carbs, um, including from your protein that you eat, if you eat, if you eat a ton of protein. But, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of protein you need to, to maintain your muscle mass and that kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be, make sure you get your protein. Um, that's right. Well, we've, believe me, we're far from done. We've got some more on this healthy plate bullshit for y'all. Yeah, exactly. And well, let's continue with the rest of this healthy plate bullshit. Then fill one quarter with whole grains or starches like brown rice, corn, beans, or whole wheat pasta. Okay, so 75% of the plate is carbs. Okay, sadly, before I was educated as to how bad grains and all these starchy fruits and veggies and such and such were, I absolutely loved taking bananas, smashing them up, and adding them to brown rice. Just saying. Uh, yeah, peanut butter and banana, but... Uh, oh, seriously? You ate peanut butter and banana? I've Yes, I've done that, yes. I knew there was a reason I loved you. Yeah, well... Well, there are many reasons you love me. Uh, yeah, just because, another okay, one. Because, probably because we tend to, uh, you know, our, we we tend to eat a lot more of this, and when we do eat. In the other quarter, add some lean protein like tofu, grilled fish, or chicken. Well, we do eat chicken sometimes. Ooh, tofu, no. Yeah, tofu, no, and no. not lean. No, we, Fuck that. Yeah. Fat is flavor. Give it that, all to me. That, all right. And then, of course, this lot, we got to play the last bit of the, how, you know, what you, you know, what you top off your meal with. If I can play the clip, but... To complete your meal, add a drink like unsweetened coffee, tea, or a glass of milk. But remember that drinking eight ounces of milk affects your blood sugar just as it would if you ate another tortilla or a slice of bread. Yeah, a glass of milk. Let's just drink a whole lot of sugar. More sugar! Exactly. Yeah, so I think this clip sums up our feelings on the food pyramid, though, or my plate, or whatever the hell you want to call it. It's probably something like this. The whole thing. What's wrong with the food pyramid in my plate? Almost everything to nutritionists and health experts. I thought that clip went a little bit longer than it did. No, it's a tiny little clip. Yeah, exactly. So, um, now we've talked about the evil of sugar on previous episodes, right? But um, and we're going to focus on one to, to wrap things up today. We're we're gonna we're gonna focus on one specific uh, health uh, problem that manifests itself with too much sugar: cancer. Um, you know, that's uh, that's how my father passed away. Um, you know, it was brain cancer. He sm he smoked for forty four years, you know, for forty four years, and and was uh, you know, and it was definitely uh, you know, I. I, I 
what he was eating before before he passed away. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of some of you know some of the some of the garbage in there, and I'm sure it didn't do anything. And uh, yeah, and I know he had diabetes because you can smell it on on the urine. Um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, you know again we'll go back to Lee Keith uh, talking about sugar and cancer. What we know about cancer is two things: one, insulin provokes the growth of cancer cells. Really? Number two, what cancer eats is sugar. So you put people on an agricultural diet, they're going to get cancer. This is why cancer is unknown amongst hunter-gatherers. Even Truly? In, yes, even until the 1950s, you can read statements in medical journals. Well, we all know the Eskimo don't get cancer. And that's why. They weren't eating agricultural foods. Yeah, they were mostly eating meat, much like, uh, you know, st- uh, uh, Wilhelm or Stephenson. You know, we, 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 we played clips from him in the past. Uh, you know, the, the, but uh, yeah, the, it's, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, you, you, get, you, you stop with the agriculture and you, uh, you, get, you get much better. And in fact, uh, you know, we, I know we've, we'll, we'll play these clips again of, um, you know, from, from Vinnie Tortorich. Um, so this is, uh, you, know, he, 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 um, you know, he got a rare form of leukemia back in, or he, he had a rare form of leukemia and he got it treated. And, and um, you know, this is what he was told by his doctor when he first went in for chemo. I asked my doctor, my cancer specialist, who was a hematologist, I said, is there any truth behind any of this with cancer? And she said, aren't you the no sugars, no grains guy? I said, yeah. She said, yeah, do that. And this was in 07. And I said to her, really? She goes, yeah, the stuff you'll start seeing it in a few years. She goes, I'm at the ground floor of they're seeing where sugar really lights up cancer. And um, you want to stay away from sugar. Yeah. And, um, you know, and this is and, and today even I would say that, uh, you know, his, so that and, and you know, he has uh, he, his his rare form of leukemia. He you know, he went through the chemotherapy. He 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 doesn't he barely has anything. I mean, you know, he's he's human. He does a life into living every now and again, but he mostly doesn't eat sugar. And guess what? His uh, his cancer hasn't come back. I was told that when they knocked my leukemia into remission, the type of leukemia I had, they said, will come back in five years. I said, well, what's the longest anyone's gone? They said there's been some outliers that have gone eight, nine years. But the general consensus is between if you go four years, you've beaten the curve. If you've gone five years, that's probably when you'll be back on chemo. I was cleared of cancer in 20. Uh, uh, 2008. That's 12 years. And I haven't had chemo yet. Wow. Nobody is studying me, by the way. No one's going, wait a minute. We now have a guy at 12 years. Should we not be looking at that guy and seeing what he's doing? Yeah, well, you know, that, that would uh, cause a lot of uh, profitable industries to, uh, well, not be profitable anymore. And it's, I think that's the God obvious. forbid we should actually tell the truth to the consumer. Yeah, well, um, yeah, um, you know, whether it's sugar or, fl- you know, flour, kind of the same thing. And it's not great for you, as uh, Dr., uh, Dr. Mark Hyman has uh, said. We played this on a previous episode. Sugar and flour, which actually raises your blood sugar more than table sugar, hijacks your taste buds your brain chemistry and your hormones and your metabolism. 
Yeah. And another, yeah, when we start talking about cancer, uh, there's, you know, another one of these industrial foods that uh, was created by, well, the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, uh, Procter and Gamble and all the other, all these other lovely companies that, 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 that that care so much about your health uh, that, uh, yeah, they just want to keep you just well enough to keep, to keep buying their crap. Um, But, uh, you know, so, uh, but we got, we got two more clips here before we wrap this up, but we're going to, and we've talked, we've talked about canola oil in the past, right? And, and they actually that. list that as a healthy oil, yeah, alongside soybean oil. Yeah, just as a review, right? Uh, let's talk about the uh, brief history of uh, vegetable oil real fast, just so you know where it all came from. The vegetable oil industry was kind of born in the early 1900s, right? The first vegetable oil product was Crisco. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> so it used to be that those oils were used for the Industrial Revolution. Um, they were used to, to lubricate machinery. And then they figured out how to harden them to make them, and they <laughs> learned how to bleach them and make them look white. And then they thought, and it was actually Procter & Gamble that, that figured out how to do that. They were going to make it into a soap. You know, soap is made from oil. Instead, they're like, yeah. hmm, that looks an awful lot like lard. Let's try yes. to sell it as a food. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then, and then, and then I knew there was something about Crisco that I found so off. Yeah. It, well, it's very off. And, uh, and honestly, yeah. I, I can tell you, this was literally probably better than 30 years ago, easily, yeah. when I realized how nefarious Crisco was because I was eating a piece of fried chicken that had been fried in Crisco. Yeah. And it left this disgusting film on the roof of my mouth. And from that point on, I would never use Crisco for anything. I find it detestable. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, we, you know, if I I could have pulled the clips from, you know, how they make canola oil and you just realize that. Well, all you have to do is go to the episode called Canola Cake. Well, you you realize I'm now going to, I realize I'm now going to pull in the canola, you know, the canola, because of course this is a. But for those who are maybe listening for the first time, there is an episode called Canola Cake. Yes, it is. We deep dive into canola oil, how it's made, and that it should never come anywhere near your body for any reason. Yeah. So this is the, we're gonna. So I'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and uh, yeah. Now that I've got this clip loaded, but uh, um, but yeah, let's just talk. Let's just review how uh, canola oil is made. When the canola seed arrives at the processing factory, it contains foreign material, mostly plant pieces. So the first step is to clean the seed in a vibrating sieve. The seeds, smaller than the openings in the sieve's mesh, fall through to a conveyor below. The foreign material remains on top. A conveyor moves it to a storage bin where it's collected for sale as cattle feed. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, they're, they're overproduced, you know, much like we're talking about uh, previously. Uh, yeah, they, um, you know, we, we the, yeah, they, they, because they've got so much of this extra stuff, they're, they're able, they're able to do that. It's like we've, we're producing so much of it. It's got to go somewhere. So, uh, yeah, that's probably, you know, again, they're using, you know, in the process of making canola. Yeah, they're, they're feeding it to cattle who, by the way, probably don't eat that stuff. Uh, yeah, let's, let's hear the next step in the process just for just to just to be further disgusted. Next, the seeds enter a roller mill. They pass between two steel rollers, which crush them into thin flakes. A conveyor then feeds the flakes into a screw press. It has a large revolving screw-shaped shaft enclosed within a slotted cage. As the shaft turns, its threads squeeze the flakes with high pressure, forcing out the oil, which then drains out through the slots. 42% of canola seed is oil. This screw press extracts nearly three quarters of that. The remainder is still trapped in the pressed flakes, now referred to as canola cake. 
the cake exits the other end of the press and moves on to a second extraction. Yeah, we named that episode Canola Cake, but yes, we did. Yeah, now of course, this is these are rape seeds, of course, but they, you know they rebranded it. You know, exactly, we we all know that canola oil is made from rape seed. That's right, because that's what that's what it is. And yeah, we got a couple we got a couple more clips here. This one, a seventy-minute wash with a solvent. This chemical extraction process removes all but a trace of oil. The factory then grinds the cake into protein-rich meal, which it sells as animal feed. The extracted oil, stored in large tanks, now enters the refining phase. Canola cake, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I know why they call it rapeseed, because it fucks your body epically. That's right, and yeah, and then there's one more step in the process, of course. After washing and filtering the oil, they bleach it to lighten the color. Then use a steam injection heating process to remove the canola odor. The oil is now fully refined and ready for bottling. Yeah, and this is and and when you consider, you know, you know, I guess if you were to somehow, I don't know, eat a small amount of, you know, rapeseed, I don't know. I mean, maybe it probably wouldn't hurt you. It's the, you know, it's the dose makes the poison. The fact that it's in literally everything, you know, and, the, and it's and it's and it, yeah, it's it's literally toxic waste. They figured out how to make uh, edible, I guess. Um, yeah, it's kind of gross. Now, it turns out that there's an interesting side effect of, of vegetable oils. This is this is how we're going to close this out today. Um, this is another Nina Teicholz clip and I think that this is this is a this is a bombshell right here remember we talked about the Minnesota coronary survey where they had people some people on on vegetable oil diets in all of those studies again and again and again the people on the vegetable oil diets died at much higher rates from cancer hmm. this was considered a side effect of this uh, heart healthy diet and they actually had a series of very high level meetings at the NIH in the early 1980s to figure out what was going on with this side effect of cancer and nobody could figure it out and they basically just said look we believe that vegetable oils will help people prevent heart disease so we're going to ignore the cancer effect So yeah because who the fuck cares if you die from cancer from eating these oils you know it's not us it's not our families because they know the truth behind this bullshit. They yeah. know that this shit's bad for you. But you know who it is good for? Yeah, the bottom line of all the industries that the USDA ultimately supports. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's, you know, and, and we, we start going through this, you realize that just the entire food system is really not set up for our health. And it's it's really all set up about profit. And, you know, they're, they're you know, you got the same organization that regulates the, 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 the uh, you know, the industries that produce food and, and create the guidelines for it. Yeah, there's a huge huge um yeah there's a whole lot of uh, shenanigans in there and it's like you and, and, and it's no wonder why uh yeah that you know a diet doesn't work because yeah the diet they suggest uh, is never going to work and you know so this is a it's it's pretty disgusting uh, you know shit but uh um but yeah i think this is uh you know this is kind of as far as i think we've gotten and it's uh yeah a prostate cl- prostate cancer sugar 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 yeah yeah more sugar exactly um Ultimately, y'all, we we just thought we would present this and let you all make your own decisions. You know we talk about eating clean, living clean, and this is just another in 
that which we feel responsible to give to you all is this knowledge to help you to possibly eat and live clean and live longer and maybe help some others do and that's you know honestly that's been uh, uh, another value for value motto paying it forward that's right i mean you know just you know again to kind of just talk you know kind of at the end i mean we were talking you know i was talking with your mom earlier um you know yesterday and uh because she was asking me about something something she wanted to take and it's you know i think with i think the point i'd make to everybody is you know know what just know what's in your food you all uh go look at if you're, or, you know what's in your supplements go look it up and go see if you like what it what it says and you know and if it's you know if it doesn't you know just use your own brain much like we did with this uh you know looking through the uh the, you know the legislation uh you know there's nothing that uh you know you can you know you trust your own brain even if you, you're not a legislation analyst i mean certainly we're not and i mean yeah the freedom of information act will bring you far in yeah. kind of un uncovering if you will peeling the layer back of bullshit that they are trying to spoon feed us in dump truck amounts on a daily. Yeah. And that's, and yeah, and I think weirdo says the thing, bottom line, if, it's, if it doesn't rot, it's not food. Yeah. That's I think it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty safe assumption there. Well, it's um, also a safe assumption that if it only contains one ingredient, it's probably safe to put in your body. Yeah. Or maybe not, maybe not in huge quantities, but uh, you know, there's, yeah, cause True. so, but I think, uh, so fucking over this so you know it's probably time just remember guys if it says all natural remember arsenic is all natural yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, we end the, you know, we, we're going to end this thing, right? So we're going to end it something like something this. Something like this. Jordan fades back. Swoosh. And that's the game. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you. I'm out. You still here? It's over. Go home. Go.